0: Hello, my name is Sravya Balasa, and you're listening to Girl Code. Hi everyone, it's Sravya, your host of Girl Code. I know it's been a minute, but I'm really excited to be back with another episode for y'all. So today's episode is with Vicky and Ren, two female engineers from Arista Networks, a company that they absolutely love working at. And if you're not familiar with Arista Networks, they're an industry leader in data-driven client-to-cloud networking for large data center, campus, and routing environments. So a lot of the conversation that we had really circled around what it was like being a female engineer at Arista Networks, what it was like growing into a more senior level role and how that involves communication, collaboration, and a lot of other skills that aren't very talked about when you're jumping into the tech industry, but how important they really are. And I also just really enjoyed chatting with them about college life and how that really helped them to where they are. So I'm just really excited for all of y'all to hear this episode, and I hope you enjoy.
1: So this is a question for both of you. How did you get introduced to the world of technology, and where does that story really begin? Um, I'll just go first.
2: (laughs) Okay. I actually got accepted to UCSC um, as like a biotech major. And the funny story is that I was terrible in labs. (laughs) And usually mistakes made in life sciences labs are extremely costly, literally dollar signs attached to it. (laughs) Um, And I was just thinking to myself, maybe this is maybe not the best job for me, seeing as I'm like the number one most clumsy person in the world. and you don't know, but you know, what's cool is um, I really appreciated, um, I went to sixth college UCSD and you were forced to take actual computer science classes. That was one of like the GE requirements. And actually that was six, I mean, I don't know about right now, but for for at least when I was at sixth college, that was, uh, we were the only college, the sixth college was the only college that required specifically computer science classes. Back then it was CSE three and five uh, A, And then, you know, I took them um, and I really just loved it. And I just switched majors after that. I was just, I mean, it's like, so, I mean, I really have to thank just, um, honestly, what I think is one of the best qualities about like, you know, uh, some of the university education that does force you into these different niches that you just don't really think about. And like, you know, I didn't grow up in a family of engineers. Um, nobody in my family is engineer. So like nobody ever even thought about this, right? So anyway, but I, I owe a lot of it to, uh, gratefully to the UCS education. Um, for me,
3: I think I started when I was a kid. So my mom planted a seed for me when I, I remember I was very small, but my mom told me a story about men walking on the moon. And she said, oh, you could be there one day too. In fact, they named my Chinese name. The character of my given name is "Mean Universe." Growing up, I always thought I'm gonna be an astronaut, or I would start study physics. <laughs> That's how I would think I would be. Um, so my dad was a math teacher in high school, and I think I never thought anything different. But I already choose a track in math and science. One of in high school, one of in China. When I came to US, I learn about computer passing through a career training actually when the time for me to choose a college major actually my story was kind of sad because as a immigrant kid i hardly speak any english and i thought and i didn't want to talk to anybody i thought hmm, what could be a better career than working behind a monitor which is computer science and i'm okay with math that's how i so the choose computer science as my major, but I resonate with Ren. And once I started taking the computer science classes, I actually enjoy it. And that's how I continue to pursue that major.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that computer science is a difficult major. Like I feel anyone who's taken a class can attest to that. And if you've made it, if you make it through the degree, like you have to enjoy some part of it. Like you're not gonna get through that uh, if you if you dislike it. So I definitely resonate with that one as well. Kind of going off the fact that both of you were saying that you got to undergrad, you took classes, you really enjoyed them, that kind of propelled you to take on this major. What parts of your undergrad classes or not made you feel like set you up for success post-grad?
3: I think for me, actually, I think everything about a school was very helpful, right? So we have, um, first and foremost, I think we had a study group all my uh, career, I mean, in school career. (laughs) So I think that sort of start building up with, get to know about teamwork and working with people. And of course the training is also very important. When I was in high school, I didn't have any sort of computer training. So I got all my fundamental training, in college. And I think every single class teach a different aspect of the computer science or computer engineering. So that really helped me get started on my first job. And first of all, passing the interview, right? So <laughs> without all these courses, I would not be able to pass the interview, I think. Yeah, I like all of them.
2: Uh, I, I, I always find it, um. You know, it's almost like a little bit of envy because, like, I never had a study group. <laughs> it's just, like I wish I had one. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it's like uh, it was far less social, I think, when I was at um, uh But uh, um, you know, it's interesting because, like, when you're in these classes, especially in the lower division, right, classes, when you're just starting off, like, you don't really think about where this is gonna get you. Um, and you know you try to find a job like internship after like barely one year you know computer science degrees under your belt like good luck right like I mean there will be companies but like really good luck (laughs) right um uh for me though uh you know again like I I wish I did this on my own but I think it's just like everything kind of lined up really well which is um I was taking, I, I don't know if you know Rick Ord. He used to be, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, that man is famous in the department. You can't, you can't take uh, UCSC out of it or like really the other way around either. Um, uh, so he had a very strong tutoring group presence at, in the department. Uh, I was taking csc 11. So I took three, 5A, um, and then uh, CSC 11. And that was my first course at Rick. And I don't know, just one day after class, he was like, he calls my name and I'm like, oh shit, what did I do? <laughs> I was just kind of like, what did I do wrong? I'm doing well in the class, like, what's up, right? Like, usually you, you don't wanna get called out like after class by a professor. Um, anyway, but uh, he asked me if I wanted to be part of a tutor and I was like, oh, that's great. I'm not really sure if I'd be a good teacher, but like, why not? Um, I mean, I really genuinely loved a lot of the classes I took in the CS department. I, I'm not gonna say everyone, <laughs> but a lot of them. <laughs> um, but if it wasn't for like the tutoring environment, and then, by the way, so like that's kind of that was the start of my tutoring career, and then like I, tu- I was a tutor the entire the rest mm-hmm. of my good time at UCC. Um, and I tutored a lot of different classes, right? Like everything with Rick, firstly, and then like I also tutored with Garo uh, Christine Alvarado, like, you know, a lot of people in the department. If it wasn't for that though, I really don't think I would be anywhere near where I am today. And uh, and also, like, I mean, I, I mean, you know, anybody listening to this, I also want to encourage, like, you know, make sure, like, classes are great, they're important, grades matter. I'm not saying go get all the C's, you know, like, that's not what it is. But, you know, there's a very stark difference between learning the theoreticals in class and actually applying in real life, right? And obviously internships matter a lot in that aspect, but like even when in college, you know, you don't have to be just a tutor, but you can have like, uh, you can make, you know, side projects or even like, uh, what is it called? The Qualcomm Institute? No, I think it used to be like Cal IT. There's lots of opportunities to like actually apply your skill and chances are like, you learn a whole lot from classes. If you don't ever use it and apply it, it's not going to be useful. Um, and like, for me, at least I take all these classes until I really taught it back as a tutor, or like, you know, it, in tutoring, we also build like a lot of tools and we need to actually like, you know, run everybody's assignments or whatever. Um, you'd learn a lot from that, right? Um, so I would say like, yeah, classes are great. But then again, I was never really a good student. So like, for me, the work experience is what really mattered. And uh, thank God for the tutoring program. And I highly encourage everybody to at least try it out for a quarter if they can.
1: Yeah, no, I, I resonate with things both of you said. First of all, I, I did. I don't know if it was there when you were at UCSD, Ren, but I was part of Spice, and so I. Oh, um, I was the first, uh, <laughs> I, I,
2: the inaugural team, or whatever they want to call it. It's just some fancy title. Um,
1: yeah. Oh wait,
2: were you? Were you okay? Were you part of the first Spice program, or were you the uh, or like subsequent ones? I, I don't.
1: remember. I was in Spice like 2018 something. So,
2: oh, so it's definitely the after I left UCSC, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's awesome, because Spice, I think Spice, for, yeah, I was part of the uh, the very first Spice program, and then, like, I was one of the mentors. That, oh, that's amazing. Good for you. That's a Ooh, great program. yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so, for context, for people, uh, Spice is the summer program for incoming students, I believe, and it's hosted by UCSD CSC department, and I think, going along with what you were saying, Vicky, I think, being a part of that five week program before the school year started, before my freshman year, really gave me the opportunity to form a study group. And um, when I take classes now without my friends that I met in SPICE, I'm like, how am I supposed to learn anything? You forget how nice it is to bounce ideas off with people and it's nice to learn and grow with others. So I definitely resonate with that. And also Ren, I'm, I'm also a tutor and I've been tutored by lots of amazing Rick tutors in my time. And it gives you such an awesome opportunity to learn from people and like teach others, so gratifying. I could probably talk about it for an entire hour, but I 100% agree with everything you both said. After you both graduated from college, you obviously did other things because you're here now. So can you both take us through your journey post uh, your bachelor's slash your academic journey?
3: I think for me, I, I was debating, you know, when I, after I graduated from undergrad, when I should go to a master's degree now. So I attempted assigned, like attend classes while I'm working. So I found it extremely challenging. The next path I took was uh, in the industry I'm at right now, the, the networking. So we have a lot of industry certification. So whatever I learned directly apply to the job, right? So I ended up spending multiple years pursue multiple industry uh, certification and keeping it active. So that was my main, uh, goal. And at the same time, I also try to branch off, like more than study the technology-wide and try to do something like critical thinking is more in the business class and also um, join Toastmasters. I've been Toastmasters for the last 10 years. I think it's very, very important as well. So these are my major self-driven study after post, uh, undergrad.
2: So like, I think I kind of fit into this bucket of people where like they go to school, but they don't really quite enjoy school. Um, So, uh, you know, seriously, full respect, anybody that makes it through PhD, because I'm like, I don't know how you do it, because, like, I personally, like, just can't deal with classes. Um, Yeah, after UCSD, I worked at Qualcomm for a little bit, you know, and I joined Arista. Honestly, ever so thankful that they hired me in the first place. (laughs) Um, It's been amazing five years. Seriously, learned so much from uh, Arista so far. I met some really, really amazing people too. It's interesting about like learning in general, if you want to talk or go more in that direction, just because like, you know, as an engineer, you always, you really don't want to stay stagnant, right? And you're learning and after college, and I see this a lot in like, you know, our my interns as well, or like new hires or people that are kind of just starting their journey. Um, like uh, uh, they have this like certain skill set that they have gra- after graduating. And then like they work really hard to hone it which is great but it's just the nature of tech industry where everything changes so fast right so like you have to like yeah you need to gain expertise that's good but when you if you get siloed too much you're kind of stuck right so like you do have to and no one's gonna like teach you like it's all self-taught like kind of like what Vicky mentioned like you have to go get get the certifications if that's what you want or like whatever else, you know, like there's lots of ways to do it. And so like, I'm a site reliability engineer, SRE. And then like, you know, especially in my field, like um, I know I think some people might be more familiar with the term DevOps, but SRE DevOps, they're not the same. Um, But like, like just the number of tools that get published every month, like you need to keep up with it, you know? And then um, I think when you get graduate, you know, a lot of like Java, for example, I don't use Java. I do mostly Go and Python. And honestly, after that, you also have to know everything else because there's all these tools written in like, you know, Ruby, you have to know Bash also because you're gonna go work for Linux, you know? Uh, I hate Ruby, but I have to work with it anyway, and there's always some obscure tool that's written in Perl, and you're like, who came up with this syntax, like, why? <laughs> uh, and then, like, as much as I say I don't like to work with Java, I still have to look at Java code anyway. So, anyway, my point is that, like, oh, and then now there's Rust, right, which is, you know, this, this, honestly, an amazing brainchild of CC++, you know, everything that kind of, like, kills you with C++ and memory manager, it's like Rust is like holy grail. Um, but anyway, my point is like, you just have to keep learning. You do really have to keep on learning. I mean, like it's kind of up to you how you want to chart your career, right? But um, learning doesn't stop just because you graduated. You have to keep motivating yourself. And um, I personally like to also like give t- tech talks at like conferences or meetups. It forces me to not only, well, it's like, it's a one way of giving back because I also learn a lot from other people in the industry as well as like within the Rista, right? But like forcing yourself to give talks at conferences, like it's a big deal, but it's it gives, it's a way to give back knowledge like you learn, that you probably learned because somebody else helped you learn. That way. <laughs> and then like to give it back, right? Um, uh, and you know, once you, look around there's like tons of technical conferences big small like big some of them are like you know tens of thousands of people all the way to like I've seen tiny ones meetups are like with like 20 people
1: yeah that's definitely a really big thing I think that when I if when I've interned at places I think at first I'm like okay I'm gonna come in sit down code leave that's it bye uh, but a huge part of it is that learning process I think um, I feel like that's one thing school really taught me well is Maybe not everything I learned in school is stuff I use in industry, but I learned how to learn new things, which is one thing you definitely need if you're going to be a software engineer. And I think that's something I resonate with both of you mentioning for sure.
2: I mean, also just like, I want to quickly just say like, you know, the things you learn in school actually do matter. Like, like operating system class. One of them is so important, like how threads work, what's like, what's kernel versus user space, like things like that, baseline that baseline that doesn't change over time. Uh, or like basic fundamental skills on how, how to debug, right? Like all those are 100% required for anything else you need to learn. So like, yeah, I mean, it's gonna prep you to learn better and faster in the future, kind of like what you said.
1: Yeah, I my operating systems class was so interesting. I took it last fall, 2020. And I think it was so awesome because it was was very theoretical in a sense, but it was a lot of things that are very practical knowledge that you should probably know about your computer and how it functions, especially if you're going to work in that space. And now threads just make so much more sense. Everyone just threw this word at me and I was like, what does that mean? Now I get it. So I I really enjoyed that class. I don't know about you guys. Uh, For me, it was, I think
2: my top three. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that with the compiler class, as much as, as soul killing, it's actually really useful. Um, and like carpet, computer architecture, like, it, oh, I, I mean, a lot of classes, networking mm-hmm. also was really great, but OS, like, you need to know, like, you need to know how threads work. <laughs> like, what mm-hmm. is a fork? Because you're going to run into those problems. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%.
3: I just remember, oh, the project was very challenging.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, 100%. I remember our last assignment for that class. I, it was crashing on something. I don't know, deadlock. Something happened. I went to my TA's office hours, and they're like, you seem to be passing all the tests. I don't know. And I'm like, so I just found a bug that you weren't even testing? Like, that's great. So operating systems in a nutshell right there. Now, obviously, you both work at Arista. Woo! Um, so what made you both choose what you're working in now, what your whatever your job is, and then what made you cho- choose to work at Arista specifically?
3: Well, obviously, Arista not my first job. <laughs> I choose Arista, I think, maybe two main reasons. So first, the reason is the kind of work. Like I mentioned earlier at the beginning that I chose computer science because I... I thought I did not like to talk to people. I would like to hide my face behind the monitor. But after I joined Toastmaster for about three years at that time, I changed my perspective. And I suddenly said, oh, I would like to work with people face-to-face. In terms of the, my current job, actually I do customer demo. It's called Proof of Concept. So what it does is that we stage a real lab and validate customers' proposed solution. And if they work, you know, see whether not it work before they purchase uh, equipment from us. So if we, in, in while both the technical part of it and also communication, you know, face-favorite face customer dealing with real issue right in front of people. So it's just a huge change, right? But I just have the urge after I joined Toastmaster, I felt like, that's a new calling. So <laughs> was one thing. And then second thing before I change job, I did have friend already came to Arista. So I had the uh, research on the culture and my friend that he really liked it. And after I joined Arista that I really felt the same way because at Arista, we really focus on teamwork. And in fact, on the new hire training, our uh, CTO, has a personal meeting with all the new hires and explain why team was important. And he even said that for you every day, you should factor in at least two hours to helping other people, right? And in our performance review, helping people also is one of the criteria to be evaluated on. And we don't evaluate, we don't do our own evaluation. So we are evaluated by our peer. They call 360. So I really like a culture like this. it, it promotes the teamwork more than individual performance. It's one that you want the company as a whole to succeed more than just one person, I think. And along the way, everybody will succeed. So I really like it. So both the culture and the type of what I'm doing here.
2: I just want to say that is so cool that you went from someone that like wanted to hide VI monitors to someone that needs to literally talk like a lot to a lot of different people. I mean, that is awesome. That's like that. If that's not an example of growth, I don't know what that is. That's, that's a huge thing. Um, you know, uh, the culture thing really resonates a lot. Um, you know, I, when I was contemplating Arista, I did have other offers, but like the culture and like the people I spoke to really stood out. And I mean, I guess it also helps. We have a lot of UCSC alumni here. Um, and I and a lot of them were also Rick tutors. Actually, almost all of them are Rick tutors. So like, you know, we, we knew each other well, like, you know, we can give each other very candid feedback about like, you know, the workplace. And then it was just cool that like, really they had nothing negative to say. And like, it's because, I mean, so, the group group work. I mean, one of the, our main mottos here is like, just don't be an asshole, and that goes for everybody. Yeah, gender doesn't matter. Like, we don't. It's not about your gender identity, whatever it is. Like, just don't be an asshole to anybody, right? You know, be peaceful, collaborate. If you have problems, you talk it out. Like, you know, and and be very honest with each other, right? Because honesty is like number one, fastest way to really honestly solve any problems that we have, right? Um. So like, yeah, the culture really is just awesome. And I think that's another reason why, you know, since we are you know, topic of, you know, WIC and women in computing here, like just, I personally like the gender problems that I see, honestly, it's scary. Just looking at all the scandals. <laughs> that's I mean, there's just so many news about multiple, all these different companies, especially like the big names the small names or whatever about like, you know, women being mistreated or whatever. Like just, I don't know. Maybe it's the culture that's set from our CTO. I mean, even from our CEO, who's a woman, you know, which is, you know, amazing in itself. It's just a really cool culture. I love the people I work with. Like, honestly, like, I think they're like my family at this point. And I especially work on a team that we have to do these rotations called on-call rotations. Like that's part of just like that reliability job. And like you you have to work well with your team, right? You have to work together as a team because we were firefighting big incidents, like service outages or whatever. Right. So if you like have the discord among the teammates, it just doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, my team's awesome. People's awesome. Like I think I've been also on diff- multiple different teams at Arista. Um, I've really moved around within the Arista, trying to find like that one thing I really love doing, but every new team I went to it's the culture remains the same, which is, you know, very cohesive. Don't be an ass. Try to work together. And also just, um, like, people also just care, like, more than work, you know, like, if you're sick, people actually care, like, hey, are you okay? Like, that was really felt during, especially our last year with COVID, right? Like, everybody's really, really trying to be cognizant of, you know, like, even your mental health, you know, it's not not just managers doing this, it's everybody doing it to each other, which is just super cool. And, you know, I'm not saying other companies, and they don't have cultures like this, that's not what I meant. But, like, at Arista, though, it is number one thing that at least is keeping me here and for this long it's like five almost six years now it's a very long time (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) yeah i i think it's really nice and very telling that both of you are mentioning that the culture here especially one of teamwork is one that is keeping you at this company i know for a fact like being a student in college uh that culture of having to work all the time and you're like overworking yourself is like something that all students do and it's nice that there's a culture there where people are there to support you especially sometimes I've met people who think that like once I go to industry like I'm just gonna be a lone wolf and like I'm just gonna have to fend for myself and it's it's awesome to know that that's not necessarily the case at least where you work so that's really nice. That's
2: kind of unhealthy being the lone wolf thing. Yeah no. (laughs) That's
1: not good for your mental health at all. Not bad. Um
2: Yeah. And, oh, sorry, just one last thing when I, the because I did mention the other offers thing was um, if you do value, like owning your project, like Arista is all about ownership, like you own your project, like you from start to finish. That means you're, you can't even play on the same, like, we don't have ladders here. So that's another weird thing compared to other companies we don't have titles it's literally like software engineer manager director (laughs) c-suite if you like that kind of environment which doesn't go for everybody arista is really great place i mean actually that's another big factor why i chose arista over other offers from companies that were a lot structured had titles like software one two senior whatever that kind of thing so i mean has pros and cons but if you like that kind of like if you're self-driven And you also want to work with like, you know, very cohesive team, but you like owning projects, taking on responsibility, like, yeah, this is great. I guess I want to
3: also add something, like our company, it's almost like a startup culture. You can propose something and then if it makes sense and they say, oh, go ahead and do it. I have some side project. They have me reach all the way to VP. So it's very open culture and they value your idea. So I also enjoy that.
2: Yeah, that goes to the ownership thing. Like, I mean, this, this, that kind of freedom is rare, honestly. And to the VP, yeah, like, I mean, that's freaking awesome. But, like, our VPs and CTOs also really care about what, like, engineers think. But, you know, there's no, because there are no ladders and titles, there's really no, like, oh, you're, like, these, this underling or, like, person that's just, joined. it doesn't matter. If you have a great idea, you can prove it, anybody can do it which is really cool. And that is a startup of culture. And we seem seem to still maintain it after like, what? Like, I don't know. Our company's no longer a startup for
3: sure. <laughs> yeah, true.
2: <laughs> I think I have a funny
3: story. Um, our CTO, if you haven't, like he takes there. If he is in front of you, he will hold a door for you. Like people are also very humble at a company. So I really like it.
2: I've had so many times when like I was in an elevator and I'm like, was that the VP? <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, I didn't say hi, but hi. <laughs> you know. Um yeah, the humble thing. I mean everybody's just
1: I don't know, it's, it's I really have nothing to say, about it. it's been pretty cool. I think that's super awesome. I mean, I know that being an intern for one, a lot of people feel like, oh, I'm the intern. I'm not like things I say like won't fly, you know, because I'm the intern or like I'm a new hire E1, what it, S1, I don't know what they call it at all the companies and you're like what I say might not matter. I'm just not going to say it. So I think it's really interesting if everyone is a software engineer that gives new people who are new to the company, the opportunity to propose ideas because they're like, this title doesn't matter. It's just what I say. And if it's good, then like, awesome. And I think that um, can give room to so much growth that people don't even know that they can bring to the table, because otherwise they might have felt sheltered. So I think that's like a really interesting system to have for sure.
2: I mean, like every new hire, and I'm sure I did this the same thing too, like all have this attitude of like, you know, I don't know anything. And I keep telling new hires, it's fine. Like if you can prove it, which all of us can or won't, like that's the only thing that matters, Or right? Even a senior, it doesn't really matter. It's got 10 years of experience. If you can't prove your design, that's good as nothing. <laughs> right? Um, so yeah,
1: it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that obviously you both have been in tech for a while. So I know that, especially at Arista, after what you said, there's no really like that title of E5, I don't really know, whatever they call it, Um, but people probably look up to you more and come to you with more questions, especially having been at the company for a while, so what is it like being in that role where you can give back to people or Um, being someone with more experience at the company.
3: It's very interesting. Like I mentioned, I always look back because I felt like I was a solo person before, but after I came to Arista and suddenly I'll be like, oh, you're the leader, aren't I? Why? (laughs) It's at first a little bit strange. I think one of the most noticeable thing is that uh, my manager assigned me to be a mentor for the new team member. Like for a period of time, I think I have to mentor one person after like, I might have to mentor four people back to back. It is very interesting experience, I would say. Like, uh, my mentor gave me a very interesting task. I'm sure some of you guys, you know, at the team, what might be that. Um, as a mentor, I'm responsible for the project, but I'm there to help people to grow, to get to know the process, but I'm not allowed to touch, like to do the hands-on part of it. The implementation part of it, but I'm also responsible for the final outcome of the project. <laughs> there was a lot of parameters that I need to work with and I think at the beginning it's very nervous like not able to do something I think just but then you go to help people to go. and sometimes I feel like oh I want to do it myself faster than explaining to them but then I have to keep thinking that for long-term goal you want to bring somebody up to speed, then the team could be uh, contribute a twice as, you know, big as bandwidth. And it, it just took a while to feel comfortable to let people do things and not do it yourself, right? But as a mentor, I would still help verify the result, whatever being done by the new member. So it. I think I certainly get a lot more mentoring assignment and at the same time, like Randall mentioned earlier. So we do have a lot of TOI, like internal information transfer. And I try to present it in a detailed way so that people can learn from it more. So I spend more time on preparing the slides and get more information, things like that, yeah. It, it has the mentorship, I think, like to, you know, to help people grow it is a as i progress more in the career
2: you know what's interesting is um i have a very different experience than you vicky because i don't feel like anything really changed um i still learn there's always something new that i'm always learning all the time it might be also because i moved around a lot of different teams so like my job function has changed quite a bit the biggest difference is you know you just inevitably end up in more of a leadership position just because like you have more of a bird's eye view on how pieces like different projects fit together uh, and that's just, just like things that you only gain from time and experience right uh, that's interesting because like I me- I remember Rick Ward actually saying this one time the only thing senior people have over you is time um, and having seen more problems than you in the past uh, than, than you so far um, I really feel it that way because, like, I mean, we have some new people that are, like, brilliant engineers, right, and really the only difference between me and the other guy is that I've just seen more problems so far, like, more debug, more issues, or, like, had more experience coding of something or dealing with certain types of problems. I wish I could say, like, you know, I graduated, and then after five years, like, my world changed. It didn't really, like, I mean... I mean, I mean, also it might be because of Arista's culture because like even my first year, I was leading a bunch of projects that I just felt like we need to do this. <laughs> um, and then, but, but definitely as I um, spent more time, like I just understand better, like um, just how multiple different pieces of the products that we work with like fits together. I mean, in that way, it's just also kind of cool if you think about it, because it, no matter how many years in the industry, it's always new and exciting which honestly is kind of beautiful about computer science. There's always new technologies. Like five years like ago, tech looked very different from what it is today. Yeah, in every field, right? Like AI, ML, uh, bit, uh, you know, like crypto or like serverless is like the new thing, you know, like everything goes to cloud. Like none of that, really was a thing five years ago there were other things that were that were a thing five years ago right you're always a student you really are always learning and like the best you can do I guess for like people like I don't want to say behind you like just that haven't quite spent as much time in this you just is like teach them the skills that's gonna actually last them over come many years (laughs) um (laughs) but yeah I, I don't know that's just genuinely how I feel I feel like you know I feel more comfortable. You really definitely get over that like, I'm new to the industry, that kind of feeling green and like, you don't know anything. Yeah, you just like either stop caring about it or like, you know enough skills to really quickly understand even new problems you have never seen before. So you definitely lose a lot of that anxiety, which is great, because you do start in the industry very nervous, right? Um, But then again, that's like with every job. Yeah, I definitely resonate
1: with both, with a couple of things that both of you said. I think first off, Vicki, I think that being a leader, I used to really think of it as I'm on top and I'm doing everything. And then there's just all these people. Like, obviously, that's flawed, but I think that you know you're a very strong leader when people who you're mentoring can succeed on their own. And you're like, I helped make that happen. Um, And you're not just like micromanaging and doing all their work for them. So (laughs) I've definitely felt that in the past to like be leading people on projects and it's something that I definitely know how to do that they don't, but it's very satisfying when they figure it out. And I'm like, I helped you figure that out. And now you can code it on your own. Awesome. So I, I, I definitely relate. And yeah, I think that with time, you can learn so much as well. Like becoming a more and more senior tutor, people come to me with questions. I'm like, I don't even know I could be someone you could be asking questions to, but like, I guess we're here now. So th- I think that's a good lesson to remember in terms of there's so many people that are so experienced out there and you just look at them and you're like, how do they know so much? Like, I'm never going to be there. And then you're like, they've been doing this for 10 years. That's why they know so much. So I, I definitely relate.
2: I, mean, I want to go back to the CTO thing. Our CTO is really cool. I mean, like he's seriously just one of the coolest people I've ever, been, ever met. He, does, he literally will come into your chat room and would say like, I don't know anything about this. This is what I think I know. Can someone point me in the right direction? So like that humble attitude and this guy's been in the industry for like, well, like 30, 20, 30 years at least. Right. Like, I mean, he's brilliant. So just like, even if you are a senior, even if you are teaching other people, there's probably something you can also learn. (laughs) right? So like you never quite lose that like student to the industry mindset. Like you just always keep learning.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that the more I tutor, for example, like new tutors come in and I'm just learning stuff from them. They like bring in knowledge. I'm like, I had no idea how to do that. I'm glad you're here now. So I think Keeping that open mindset that no longer how, no matter how long you've been here, there's always more to learn and not just being like, I'm on top. Suddenly I know everything um, is also really important. Personally, I found that as a woman, sometimes it can be difficult to get my ideas across or communicate in the workplace. Sometimes I can be like shy or it's hard to talk to new people. Um, have you ever had any experiences like that? And do you have any tips for anyone who might be feeling that way?
3: Well, I'm definitely one of the person that felt that way earlier. And that's why I always heavily promote Toastmaster. Like right now, even I travel internationally, <laughs> I talk to people about Toastmaster. Because I think it's the way to help people learn communication skill as well as leadership skill. I totally learn, like even in family, not just at workplace, because communication happens happen everywhere right you need to talk to your parent. you might need to talk to your nieces you know your spouse or boyfriend girlfriend I think also the like in every single area communication is very important I think one of the things I wish I you know I haven't done for the first part of my career is that I usually label myself as introvert well introverted Asian woman which we taught not to speak up and First, I thought, oh, I'm an intro, I'm also an engineer also, don't speak up. But then having, well, first of all, I have a lot of mentor. And second of all, then joining Toastmaster to develop the skill, I think you really help. And I feel like now I kind of understand that there are always a message I want to deliver. And also, what is the method I can use to deliver a message? Right. you said, the package from Amazon, you can go from, you know, different... You can go UPA, you can go some other company for delivery. So it's always a different method to deliver a message. And I think the more I join Toast Matcha, and Practice the skill, it help me more. So I don't feel if the message can be heard by management, for example, and I don't feel as shy or worry about people not hurt me or worry about they don't understand me. Like if I feel that they don't understand, I will try a different way to explain it. Right. So I feel like I have more tool in my boss that I could use to communicate with other people. And I also try to, you know, observe more, be a better listener. listener. Believe it or not. So in our uh, 360 review, I got not one, not two, but three times in a row, people complain that I'm not a good listener. And even my boss was saying that, how could that be? Because they think that, you know, I, I at least appear to be a good listener in front of the boss, <laughs> but I valued that. And I, I discussed that in Toastmaster and then actually doing one of these uh, presentation with customer, I finally realized that I'm not listening in a sense that I was having thinking at the same time. Like a lot of time when you ask a question, I might be in depth of listen to you finish the question. I could already in the same time thinking about an answer. So therefore I missed what you asked. I finally realized that when I was working with a customer, customers, oh, we you're not listening. I, I saw that I heard that. I said, like, oh, what am I not listening? You know, I, I was putting my focus on it, right? And then I realized the not listening part could be mean different thing. Right? So communication could be both ways. You how to deliver a message at the same time, you need to understand what other people try to communicate to what you so I, I agree that there might be a lot of problems. Like, but then we have to also consider the culture and how we bring bring up. So definitely, my suggestion join Toastmaster.
2: And I think Arista has a beat up too, right? Like I charter something? the club.
3: Yeah. I'm the founder. Oh, that's oh, so!
2: <laughs> that's so cool. Um, I don't know if you. Like Leo used to be in Toastmaster. I don't even know him. Um, Leo Kang. But anyway, whatever. Um. So uh, it's interesting you bring up the people so-called complaining that you don't listen because I, I also would agree with your boss So that's not quite the same. But, you know, asking questions help. I don't know about you, but sometimes somebody tells me something and I'm like, I literally have no idea what you want out of me. Like you just talked at me for 30 seconds. I mean, come on, like you, you, you end up in sometimes situations where like even if you're like intently listening, some people just talk at you, right? It's not a conversation and you have no idea like, like you just listened. Great. I have context, but what did you actually want from me? Right. I'm, I'm, I'm in the situation a lot. I think it's especially more frustrating when you're dealing with like customer cases. And I'm like, yes, I understand the context. What do you want? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I still don't know what you want. I asked a lot of questions. You know, what's funny also is that like asking questions doesn't really usually actually bother people. You think it bothers people, but actually doesn't because usually also, you get to have the other person talk more about them and their actual core values. So, like, actually, if you, if you yourself being confused, ask a whole lot of questions. I think it leads to this like really awesome place where like sometimes, you know, the rubber duck effect. Sometimes people like realize their own problems on their own and figure out their own solution just because I kept asking them questions. <laughs> and then um, and, and also um uh, I don't know if uh, 110 still teaches this, but, you know, uh, 110, the software des- design class, I think, yeah. So one of the core things from that class is you need to really figure out what your use case is, right? And, I-, and I-, I did a little bit of jump there, sorry, but, like, really, you can apply that for everything. The more discerning questions you ask, let's say somebody says, like, I can't log in. Sorry, I'm going to speak from the services side of things I work with maintaining services. Like a lot of the most common things that we get from customers like, I can't log in. I'm like, great, <laughs> let me ask you some questions about how you can't log in because that really can mean a lot of different things, right? You got to ask them about their operating system, which browser, which laptop they're using, what were they doing when they're logging in? Like, um, what, what were they typing in? Like, how are they typing in? Like, we're using incognito. Like there's literally a thousand things you can ask, right? I mean, obviously don't ask all of it, try to distill it down to which ones actually matter, but you know, it does really go into like use cases. I mean, that class really teaches you how to write, ask the right questions to figure out what features you need, which features you need to actually care about and distilling down from like this giant project into a much more focused area, right? But you can really apply that kind of like figuring out use cases mindset, asking questions to figure out what is the core intention of the product or core intention of anything to every situation right? If somebody has a problem that they're talking to you about, ask them questions to figure out what the actual core problem is, and you'll eventually reach it. And actually that person will be also happier that you actually helped them figure out what their actual frustration was about. I'm sure you've seen this in tutoring. A lot of students come to you saying like, I don't understand X. Like, I don't understand assembly. I'm like, okay, great. That's like the, the most vague question I ever got. <laughs> so let's try to distill it down to which part of like let's say assembly code, like which instruction? Like, what are you confused about it, right? Do you just not understand it in general as a concept? Like asking questions, number one skill. And like, especially when I have like, you know, interns or even mentees, I always ask, I always tell them, hey, if I said something and if even a little bit of it kind of makes you, gives you pause, you need to ask the questions. Like even just saying, I don't understand is a good place to start, (laughs) right? So many people kind of clam up they don't want to look embarrassed. They don't want to think. They want. They don't want to show off like green or like you know. They just feel you know very uh, shy about asking questions. And I'm like, that's the number one most harmful thing you can do for yourself. <laughs> like communication, it matters definitely. I agree with like everything Vicky said. Like it, the tools, how you say it, you know, kind of also understand the cadence between people. But like, you know, honestly, if I were to forget about all the rules and like I'm one of those people that forget rules very fast, like the number one thing I remember is like, ask questions. <laughs> um, and then you'll eventually get to the place where everybody's happy. <laughs> um, yeah.
3: No, I think sometimes you even need a self confident to ask questions. <laughs> So that's another thing. Like sometimes yeah. people were so shy, don't even have the confidence to raise a hand. I had, I definitely have people who came to me afterwards. So, oh, how did you raise your hand? Ask questions. So I just, I had the question, I raised my hand, but it didn't occur to me even that was difficult for people like in a big good meeting, like a team
2: meeting setting like with more than 50 people in a meeting. I mean, that's definitely one of the categories I mentioned before. The longer you're in the industry, you just stop giving so much of a crap about whatever he thinks about you. So, like, you just get to a point where you're very comfortable asking questions. I guess that is one of the things that improves at time. And you're right, Vicki, like, a lot of people do get stuck, especially with interns and, and interns especially. And, like, you look at the intern, you're like, I know you're not understanding what I'm saying. <laughs> Yet you're not asking questions. I know it's a fear thing. It's okay. <laughs> right. And... Um, uh this is why I guess being a mentor is, you know, very challenging. You have to like make it a safe environment for people to ask questions.
1: Oh yeah, that I literally, that I remember from one of my internships, everything was so positive. And that was the one piece of feedback I got on something. I was, I think I I was learning about stats, something. And I remember my manager's like, I knew you were confused and you didn't say anything. I saw it in your eyes and you did not say anything and you should. And I was like, I took it to heart. Like I was like, I will get better at this. I think it's so important and it it can be really hard for people like you're saying Vicky but I think it's just such a skill especially asking those right discerning questions is super important and really good skill to have.
2: You know what's funny, since we're talking about feedback, because I just got in my feedback too. And one of the things in there was like, I'm glad Ren actually asked all these questions because like, those are all the same questions I also had, but I didn't, I didn't, I, didn't, I was so scared to ask it. But by asking these critical questions, we were actually like pushing the entire group to fix like core problems we have, right? And I, I mean, maybe it's just, it is a personality. I really don't care if somebody thinks I'm stupid. Because like, I, what's more important to me is that I actually know the answer of my confusions. Yeah, I mean, just it, it, like I said, it is doing yourself more of a harm. I wish people, more people will be more comfortable with that thought because you are doing yourself severe harm by just staying confused rather than just like have 30 seconds of being embarrassed and just ask a question. <laughs>
1: Yeah, once i started doing that it's like my whole life changed i was like things are making sense surprisingly i was like wow you just wouldn't no, i didn't expect it i was like okay so it was it was, it was great I, I i got it so i definitely i definitely agree with that you just have to have to shed this like irrational fear you have that people actually care because I was like, trust me, I think they're more worried about themselves and like the more you think about that, the better it gets. So I I definitely agree. What advice would you have given yourself when you were just starting at your tech journey, given everything that you know now? I have a short one, so I'll go first.
2: Uh, Just do it, stop overthinking and just do it.
3: (laughs) I agree. I I think I wish I would take more risk. There's a lot of time, we tend to be over-concerned, maybe as a woman. Like, you know, we always feel we need to prove ourselves before we can do the next thing. So I think that is not required because you are, like say, if you can bring through, you can bring to the school, graduate, you know, in a good school, I graduate from UCB. And I think that you have the good foundation for you to learn the next new thing. And, you know, just do it, Not not worry about your capacity and along the way, you always can get help from other people So love is that as well. Yeah, definitely to try to expand your horizon as much as possible when you're young, when you have a lot of energy.
1: Those are some really good pieces of advice. I I feel like the more I do these podcasts, the more I learn things that I'll take into consideration as I continue in my career. But I definitely agree with both of those.
2: I mean, to be fair, it's much easier said than done. (laughs) And it takes years to really get comfortable, right?
1: Yeah, 100%. I could say the same thing for every, everything we've talked about. I mean, the reason I think that having these conversations is so important is because it's things that you kind of keep in the back of your head. You know, it's it's true, like, asking questions is hard, communicating is difficult, trying not to overthink, like, you, you know it, but the more you hear it from people, the more it's like, you know what, maybe I'll actually think about it a little bit more next time. So hopefully that's the case.
2: And, like, you know, going back to the lone wolf thing, I think that's just so silly, because, like, everybody's feeling the exact same way everybody feels embarrassed everybody don't want to ask the embarrassing questions like everybody's anxious they don't want to push like that bad core review that gets all the reviews you know comments or whatever like everybody has the same problem like honestly once you realize literally everybody's feeling the same way and honestly it's interesting because i actually have this conversation with my manager quite often Cause I will be like complaining about something and he's like, yeah, like I feel the same way. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Actually, it made me feel a lot better because I'm not the only person feeling this thing, right? <laughs> uh, you know, and, 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 yeah, don't feel alone. Be, I to talk to your group mates, you know, be be a good team member and you realize you're not alone and you're not alone solving problems either, right? I had a quick
3: tip for overcome the feeling embarrassing. Tell more self-deprecated joke. It definitely, if. So basically, if you can accept the worst of yourself in front of people, then you worry less about being embarrassed You because you've already seen the worst. I used to tell people that it took me sick time, sick attempt to pass the driver's license test. So I was pretty bad. <laughs>
2: That's perseverance. Oh, my God. <laughs> Honestly, like, I respect that. That. <laughs> that is respect. Yeah, I like I insist. Third time I'd be like, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to do
3: You know what? At that
1: point, I'd just be so tired of the DMV. Like maybe not even the test. The DMV is an exhausting place. Like I have to tell you. Oh,
2: you're
1: so right. The sanity of being at the DME six times. Oh my God. I don't to think about that. Dear God, hey, respect. <laughs> respect. Respect. You made it. We're, oh, we're, thank you. We're now here I now. I feel Woo. better. <laughs> and now we We don't really have anywhere to go now with, well, now with our driver's licenses. So that's super awesome. <laughs> but it's cool. Well, uh, I just wanted to say thank you to both of you for being on the podcast. Really appreciated chatting with you. And it was awesome hearing everything that you had to say. Well, thank you for the
3: opportunity as well.
2: Yeah, thanks for uh, reading all this effort, it's really cool.